welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. with me to Ephesians chapter 4. How many of you realize that, I mean, you just somehow just realize that, wow, January, February, March, this is April, and that the, the month of the year is moving fast. I personally think that April came and went by so fast. Just as if, if you blink, you missed it. Some of us cannot even remember the things that happened in the month of April because it's just so fast. Glory to God. I want to talk about what I titled the perfect church the perfect church Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11 it says and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers from verse 10 he started saying he started talking about how um, he who descended is the same one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All right? That phrase, that entire phrase there, until that's in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That entire phrase there talks about um, the reason he did what he did. Alright? So he gave some apostles, prophets, teachers, shepherds, evangelists, teachers. Alright? So the end goal, what he's saying there, that the end goal of this discourse, the end goal of this happening is that we all come to the unity of the faith. Alright? And of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I read another translation and it gave me a better understanding. I'll read that to you in the Passion Translation. Okay, so it says from verse 10, 
It says, the same one who, has, who descended is also the one who ascended above the heights of heavens in order to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things. So the restoration and fulfillment of all things. And he has appointed. So if he's saying that the reason I, I did this is so that I can begin a restoration and fulfillment of all things. So I'm the way to go about the restoration and fulfillment of all things is to appoint some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists and some with grace to be pastors and some with grace to be teachers. And it says, and their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. And verse 13 says, These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith. When I read that, it did something to my mind. It says, until we all attain oneness into the faith. So it means that our coming together is not the oneness. Our coming together is such that we will attain the oneness. Alright? Follow me. It said, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. So, I read this and I concluded that the the work we're doing will never be perfect. I concluded that the, what we're doing here, our coming together, will never be perfect. That the only one who is perfect is Christ. So what we are doing is to measure to his perfection. Not our perfection. So the only one who has the right to claim perfection is Christ. So when you and I come together, what we're coming together to do is to measure to his fullness. So we take his fullness, look at it, and that becomes our yardstick. That becomes what we use to judge ourselves. That becomes what we use to measure our own growth. His fullness. So we take that fullness that belongs to Christ and every day we stand, we are measuring up to that fullness. We're measuring up to that fullness. And one of the ways by which you do that is you come broken before God. If you appear before him and you appear to know it all or to have it all figured out, to have it all sorted, say, okay, I, I have the way. Have you met people who say things like, I serve my God my way? You met them, right? 
I serve my God my way. I mean, it's the same God, but I have the way that I serve my God. So it's your personal God. That's an idol. That's, that's a deity, an effigy that you put in your house, that you have the way you serve it. The one who is worshipped is the one who demands how to be worshipped. Am I correct? So you can't say that because I have a personal relationship with God, there is a way I will serve him. There's a way I will worship him that will be unique to me. No, you can't say that. He's the one who is the all-knowing and he has the kind of worship the Bible calls it the father seeketh such to worship him. Because there is a worship that he demands that he calls worship. Not everything you give to him as worship that is worship. Not everything you give to him. So I came to realize that this experience of believers, the unbelievers have underrated this supernatural experience. And then we believers, we have overrated it. So we've overrated the experience so much that that experience begins to define everything around us such that the unbeliever begins to question our experience as believers so you go to your offices and they say things like i thought you are a believer i thought you are a christian because they see certain things out of us that defiles that logic of being a believer they see i mean we we are after the same kind of things that they are after we want to have a two-one for the very same reason the unbeliever wants a two-one we want we want to drive a mercedes for the very same reason the unbeliever wants to drive a mercedes so the the, the unbeliever is asking the question how are you different from me if the same thing that i want is the same thing you are after but i am looking at it from a different perspective but you claim to have a higher experience but your drive and pursuit is still the same pursuit and drive that I am after but you claim to have a higher God you claim to know a higher power you I don't claim to do that as an unbeliever but you that claim to be a believer you claim to have a higher connection but I'm, you are still limited to the same things that limit me so how are you different from me how should why should i go after your experience why should i go after your god why should i go after the things that you are going after because you're not different from me so sinners begin to underrate the supernatural why believers we overrate it so much that it loses its relevance it loses its meaning and for the very reason that we are looking for perfection in ourselves and not in christ the moment you, you take your eyes of christ and put the perfection on yourself what you are telling the world is that come and see me not come and see christ through me there's a big difference. 
because your pursuit is towards these very same things that they are pursuing the very same things so the bible tells us that he ascended on high and he set all these things in place to build up a people that will measure up to Christ not to themselves so they will grow and enlarge and they will build up the body of Christ and they will function till we all get to the unity of the faith um, requiring um, if you've read the five purposes of the church he listed five things worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry and mission that where the church of God is concerned, if all these things are together, if all these things are in place, if all these expressions of, of, um, of the church, if they are all in place, it puts the believer in a position where he understands why he's the church. And I'm sure you know that the church is not this building. Right? The church is you and I. So if someone comes and says, you know what? I don't like what they are doing in that church. The question I would ask the person is, you are the one there. You don't like what you are doing. Not what they are doing. The, the building is just the building. What runs the building, what happens is the system and the people in place in there. That's what determines the church. Am I correct? So if I'm not doing something right, then it has nothing to do with the building. It has everything to do with me, right? So there is no place you will go on earth that you will find the perfect church. No place. Is that an excuse for congregations to misbehave or congregations to not do what they are supposed to do? No, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. But the fact remains that any institution or establishment that sets up a system and people such that they are not measuring up to the fullness of Christ they will keep competing with one another. It will no longer be about what God wants done. It will now be about how they get the largest crowd or how they become the trending thing. So, we must speak about what is trending and not what is trending in the mind of God so that we can get the people to be on our side. Not what God wants to say to them at a particular time but what is trending so that we can get what is happening. I'm not, it's different from being um, relevant. Being relevant is quite different. Alright? It's quite different. Yes, you must appeal to a generation. But every generation that comes has a sound from God that they must understand. And it's the job of of the local assembly to understand that sound and follow through with that sound. However, in following through with that sound, you cannot make the mistake of deviating from the fullness of Christ. The moment you make that mistake, what you will have is a congregant of people 
that are doing jamboree and drama. And when you put jamboree and drama together, you know you can get people to show up for jamboree and drama. Am I correct? Anything that has to do with jamboree, has drama, everybody will show up. And you see them everywhere. 21 ways to kill your enemy. And then they show up. 30 things that are delaying marriage. Then they show up. What my mother-in-law did, they show up. So I'm asking myself, even if your mother-in-law did something, go and ask her and apologize to her. So you find out that the system have, the system has created a false appearance of Christ. And then everybody is gravitating towards that false appearance to define their meaning. Because everybody is looking for meaning. Everybody's looking. That's what, the end goal of what you are looking for. The reason you are attending the place of worship you are attending is that you are looking for meaning. Meaning for your life. And you can't find that meaning outside Christ. No matter what I preach, if I don't preach Christ, you will never find that meaning. You will never find it. So even if you are in the system, and then you are a small group leader, you are in the technical department, you are in whatever kind of department whatsoever, what you are looking for is meaning. That in doing what I am doing, I am measuring to the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, question. When that becomes your goal, and that becomes everything that you are after, there is nothing that will happen to you in that system that you will say, this is a perfect church. It will never, till Jesus comes, be a perfect church. It will never. It will continue to be a system where imperfect people are coming together to measure to the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's different from saying, oh, the way I am is the way I am. No, we're not saying that. No, certain people will say, just leave me, that's how they talk, that's how they talk. Anybody answer me, I just give a heart. No, that's not what we're saying. You will take, with that your temper that is hot and you give to everybody hot, you will take it and measure to the stature of the fullness of Christ. That will continually be your goal. Not me. Even me, I'm measuring to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Remember he says, it is grace to minister. That's what he said. He said he appointed some grace to be apostles. Some with grace to be prophets. So it is his grace that functions in you to do the things that you should do. So even as a small group leader, as a unit leader, as a, whatever it is you're doing, it is the grace that enables you to function. Not in yourself. So the moment you start looking to yourself, do you know how many times I've come here and I'm like, God, I do not feel like church today at all. 
but many of you wouldn't know. You say, ah, pastor, is it true? I'm a human being. Do you think I fell from heaven? I'm a human being. But I understand that I'm not functioning by myself. I'm not functioning for myself. There is grace to function. So when I recognize that and I know it, and I know that I'm measuring to the stature of the fullness of Christ, and we're building up the body, then I tap into that grace. That's what allows me to function. That's what allows me to do the things that I do. I was sharing with someone how there's some things one of my mentors says, I don't know if I, I, I think I mentioned it here. He said he can never be a pastor. He's my mentor and he's a pastor. But he said he can never function as a resident pastor. Say it because he doesn't understand it. See, somebody comes to you. I say, Pastor, Pastor, I don't like what you did. I don't like what you did. And he slapped the pastor. And the pastor will say, You know, I love you. Say, Me. You will slap me and, you t- and I will tell you, I know I love you. By the time I finish you. And he's a pastor. Not like he's, he's not pastoring a local church. But he's saying that the grace to handle that thing, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have that patience. He said he doesn't have the patience. He said someone will come to him and sit down. Say, Pastor, I want to tell you what I'm going through. And then the person was, was talking for almost 30 minutes. He said he looked at the person. He said, look, better get straight to the point. <laughs> Say, better get straight to the point. He said, because this mouth that I'm using to talk, I use it to make money. When I talk to people and consult, they pay me. So get straight to the point. Pastor was the person was saying, Oh, you know, my soul, my soul. He said, Look, you won't be the first person to go to hell. <laughs> that was on the extreme, but he was trying to lay a point that look, the work of ministry, the work of bringing people to the stature of the fullness of Christ is a delicate work and does not require perfection in any human being. It requires grace to function. So when you come into a system and you are demanding perfection, you are missing the point. You that you are demanding the perfection, how perfect are you? You are missing the point. Say, ah, no. The way that usher treated me, Kai, I vowed that we never go there again. Uncle, relax. Calm down, calm down. You need to be calming down. The usher may have treated you wrongly. But the point is, what's the purpose why you are there? If God has planted you there, you do well to be there. Because you are looking for perfection that you will never find. You will never find it. Not in the people around you, not in your senior pastor. I mean, if you think that, see, um, there's something called integrity. But integrity is beyond 
perfect behavior is way beyond that. So if perfect behavior is all you are looking for that will make you submit your honor and respect, if that's what you're looking for, honestly, you've missed it. Because you will not find it in any human being whatsoever. You won't find it. I was sharing with someone just this week, I said, I'm not happy about something. And when I shared with the person, the person said, really? You're going through all this and you didn't say anything? I said, what's there to say? I understand. I understand my purpose. I understand my, my place in the system. I understand the assignment that God has given to me. So I stay with that assignment within the confines of that assignment. Why? Because I realize that the reason I'm there is to build up the body of Christ. So I give people a long rope. Long rope. Not because I believe the worst of you. No. I expect the best of you. But when you don't measure up, I will tell you, we are all measuring up to who? The stature of the fullness of Christ. So there is nothing you can do that will derail me from that part. No. I've not seen the person that wants to offend me to a point that I will leave my purpose. No, you are too... You are not that valuable. No, let me just shock you. You are not that... No. Say, ah, you did something to me and then because of that, I will not pray again. Hello? Ah. Say, what happened? I don't like the way that pastor spoke to me. Is that why you've not read the Bible in the last six months? Say, I don't feel like it. It's not. It's just not doing me somehow. Uh, you are joking. That's not the, the reason that you're not a Bible reader. Just forget it. You are just using that as an excuse. Because if you are measuring up to the stature of the fullness of Christ, that will be your goal. Is, is there anything Christ would do to you? Now you say, God, this thing you have done, well, I, I will not talk to you again. None. It's because we see people and people are our measure of Christ, not Christ. So we base everything on what they do to us. What they do to us. I mentioned that the highest level of purpose is service. That's the highest level. And in a church system where you are not being paid to do anything, that's the highest place you can demonstrate your loyalty and your service. Your boss can tell you at work, 20% deduction, right? Give you query. And after three strikes, you're out. 
You sit up. If you come here today and slap me, Doris will rush you. <laughs> After that, I will still tell you, don't worry. The Lord bless you. Right? As a pastor. And I'll tell you, because you slapped me doesn't mean you have to leave church. And I will still pray for you from my heart. <laughs> hey, you see, God is saying that, ah, ah, I can't take it. <laughs> That's the church. That's the system. That's the system. That's the way, that's the way it operates. So the highest level is service. I told you that there are three things that every human being um, um, will do that makes you a human. You love, you serve, and you give. Those are the three essence of your humanity. And service is the highest form. That's the highest form. What does it mean to serve? There are two things I mentioned. One of them is that you solve demonstrable human problems. You identify a problem in humanity and you position yourself to solve that problem. The second one is that you help people with vision to solve their problem. That's the definition of this church. Of, of any other congregation for that matter. So, there is Dr. K. I, I was not there when God spoke to Dr. K in 1999 or so. That go and raise me a supernatural army. But sometime in 2005, I connected with him. And then I resonated with the vision that God has given to him. And I made it my mission. Wherever you are going to solve this problem that God has given you, I commit to it. Since 2005. Has there been things that Dr. K did or the ministry did that got me angry? Plenty. If I tell you some of them, you will ask me and you are still here. Because you don't understand. It is beyond me. It is beyond me. So if you insist that it is true perfect behavior, you will release your honor and submission. You will never release it. So until this person treats me right, I'm not going to do this. I'm not, you will never ever do it because it will never happen. It will never happen. I said it here before. Any day I get a call and they tell me Dr. K is in a bar and he has just cancelled 45 creeds. I will go there, pick him up, and say, my father, you've had enough. Let's go. He will not cease to be my father because of that. Because it is not because of perfect behavior that I'm submitting to him. No, 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 no. You don't understand. He gave grace to function. He gave grace to function. Luke chapter 16 from verse 11. 
It says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what's, in, what's another man's, who will give you what is your own? It's a question. If you look at your Bible, it's a question mark there. It's a question it's asking. You say, who? Because not me. Who will give you? If you've not demonstrated faithfulness in what belongs to another person, how will you come into your own? So if you are a Moses, God has called you to a people. If you are an Aaron, God has called you to who? Moses. So the moment you demonstrate faithfulness in that capacity and demonstrate loyalty in that capacity and submission in that capacity, then you are serving. Then you are fulfilling a purpose, fulfilling a calling. Then you are part of the uh, of the system that is building up the body of Christ. Because this building just houses us for us to congregate, fellowship, and get discipled and trained. But the real system of oppression is what happens within us when we live here. The state of our heart when we live here about God and the things of God. That's what determines what we do afterwards. So you ask yourself from time to time questions, critical questions. What am I bringing to the table? What skills am I supplying? What's my relevance in the system? What gaps can I occupy? How can my skills in the house be a blessing? You ask yourself those questions because you realize that you're part of a system that is building the body of Christ. By the time you begin to ask these questions, you're telling God that I'm relevant to your purpose. I'm relevant to what you're doing in the system. I'm relevant to it. I'm relevant to it. And God begins to trust you with resources and trust you with things because you have, you have been found faithful. That's the highest form of service. And in a church system like this, it's the best place you can demonstrate your service and loyalty to God. Say, so let him that, do, that does anything, do it as unto all, unto the Lord and not to men as men pleasers because your reward is from the Lord it's from the Lord so the head usher landed you a very neat slap your service is who unto the Lord is it to the head usher yes will the head usher be corrected, reprimanded, yes. But your service is still to the Lord. It's still to the Lord. If you have that understanding, you realize that there is nothing anyone will do to you 
that will take the place of God in your life. Nothing. And your service and loyalty to God will be a hundred percent to him and not to any human being. Not to any human being. And that's the justification of Psalm 92. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. They shall be fresh and flourishing. God sets up people in different capacity, in different um, systems for the purpose that is one beyond them in that place they will discover themselves discover things about them that they knew nothing about there are things about me that I did not know that my pastor knew and he will come to me call me from time to time and tell me this and tell me that I will doubt it myself. When the time for my ordination came in 2011, Dr. K said, because I was very good, I'm very good with administration and I'm, I was handling the administration for the ministry. And I said, okay, yeah, we can make him a deacon so that he would just handle administration. You know? And then my pastor, Pastor Noel said, no, Dr. K. He's a pastor. Dr. K is in the U.S. So, a lot of things, things he does, he calls me and I execute, you know. So, he was very comfortable with that system. My pastor whom I work with directly said, no, that he's a pastor. Dr. K said, okay, but um, he does this very well. I said, yes, he works with me. And, but he's a pastor. He said, okay, if you say so. Why? Because it's what he saw. And he said this, this is what he saw. The day I was going to work with my pastor, Pastor Noel, I got a job. It was on a, a midweek service. After, after the service, God told me, he said, go and work with him. So I got a job offer from um, a sound engineering company. The MD was looking for an executive assistant. So I got the offer and then God said, it's amazing, sometimes God will not tell you to do something he wants you to do until you get something that is counter. Sometimes I used to wonder why he does that. They just let me get the job first. Maybe when they've sent me to Germany, he now tell me, I said, okay, give me six months, let me process it. Don't come back. Because they were planning to send me to Germany for training and all that. They had shown me the offer and everything. So, the, the week I was supposed to respond to the company, God said to me, go and work with this your pastor. So, I went to him and I said, I've been feeling uneasy that God said, this is what God said. And then he laughed and smiled. He said, I have known. I was waiting for when you will come. 
I was hoping he would just say, no. It would have been very easy. But he said I had known. It was a tough decision. Germany was in front of you. Local league was there. So I submitted to local league. And we started playing local league. And from that local league, I found things about myself that I did not know. In serving that anointing, I discovered things about myself that I didn't know was there. Till this day, that experience for me became one to cherish for life. A lot of the things I know in ministry today was because of that experience. How I served that anointed. Because of that experience. So if I was waiting for perfect behavior to submit my loyalty and honor, I wouldn't have done that. Because if you know my pastor, Pastor Noel, he's one of the most difficult pastors to work with. His demand for excellence is on another level. His demand for promptness is on another level. You want to get something done? As he's telling you in the next five minutes. So what's the feedback? He says, sir, but I just... He said, but I just... You just what? As he's telling you in the next five minutes, what's the... The... the, the the ability to multitask, I learned from him. The ability to do many things, I learned from him. Just serving under him. Scold me, scrutinize me, everything. I learned from him. Were there things that he did that I didn't like? Yes, a lot. Many didn't stop him from being my pastor. No. Was I angry many times that I didn't feel like calling him pastor? Yes. But he's still my pastor. My feelings has nothing to do with it. The thing is that sometimes we're so full of ourselves that we think it's about us. Come on. It's never about you. The kingdom has nothing to do with you. So when you put yourself before Christ, you won't allow people to see Christ through you. All they'll be seeing is you, 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 and Christ will be missing. Christ will be missing. So submitting, I recognize that I'm an Aaron I was called to a Moses and I dedicated my loyalty, dedicated my service to that Moses. Because sometimes in serving other people and other vision, you discover your purpose. You discover who you are, where you're going, and what you're doing. Ask many of these people even gospel ministers, you ask Frank Edward, he was somebody's keyboardist. You know who was it? Sinatra's keyboard, right? Keyboard is right. 
ask, ask a lot of them. They served their way to it. And in that process, they discovered themselves because of that service. Why am I stressing that today? Because in a church system, like I said before, you're not being paid to serve. So it's a true test of your loyalty. A true test of your service. Not to a man, but to God. And if you're able to do that successfully, it says, if you've been faithful in what's another man's, what is yours will be committed to you. So what's a perfect church? The perfect church is the congregation of imperfect people seeking a perfect God. Is the congregation of imperfect people. My pastor, my father, Dr. K, would say that if a church was perfect before you came, that your coming made it imperfect. He said if a system was perfect before you came, that you came as a human being made it imperfect. Because humanity is what? Flawed. It's flawed. So perfection cannot be found here or attained here. It's only in Christ. And in the moment you make Christ the symbol of your perfection, you make Christ the symbol of your loyalty and the symbol of your submission, then that's all you need to do. That's all you need. You can't demand it from me. You can't demand it from anybody. You cannot. Glory to God. Lucas, can you get the communion ready, please? Look at verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 4. After he has said that with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ, verse 14 now says, and then our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. Clever lies. So if you find people whose immaturity has not ended, they are still in that category. But the moment you begin to measure up to the fullness of Christ, he said your immaturity ends. And verse 15, he says, but instead, we, we remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head and of his body, the church. Of his body, the church. 
So it is Christ's body, the church. And not any human being. That's where it leads us to at the end of the day. And then you went further to say, every part, every member, giving its divine gift to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. And made perfect in love. Stand to your feet, church. That's why I started by asking us to come broken before him. Come broken. Come broken before him. Recognize that it is grace to function. Grace to function. He gives you grace to function. He gives you grace to function. You recognize that clearly. You recognize it clearly. That he gives you grace to function. And we're built up and made perfect in love. Thank you, Father. I want us to do one thing this morning. I want you to talk to God. There are three things I mentioned. To love, to give, and to serve. In any of these three areas, where you think that your heart is turning from God, just talk to him. Because it is grace to function. And trust me, I've been there many times. Many times. But I recognize that it's not about me grace to love, grace to give, grace to serve so that I can function in the things that God has called me to. So stay broken before him and say, Father, I can't do this by my strength. I can't do it by my power. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed. You can talk to him. I feel overwhelmed. I feel troubled. I feel disturbed. I don't have the strength to carry on. But I trust you. And I rely on your grace. Go ahead and talk to him. I rely on your grace. I rely on your strength. It's not about me. You've been blessed to be a blessing. You've been lifted so that you can lift others. You've been anointed so that other people can draw grace and strength from you. It's not for yourself, but it's for the kingdom to build up the church to come to the stature of the fullness of Christ. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, this power.